let's go house hunting. Let's say you're in Chicago and you're looking around the area south of the Magnificent Mile. Eventually, you will end up in the Hyde Park neighborhood. It's a pretty swanky spot. The area has a lot of notable homes, some designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. President Obama has a residence there. But one of the most opulent houses, the house that we want to look at, sits right near the waterfront. And construction on this beauty of a house began in 1928. At the time, it cost half a million dollars to build, which would be many millions in today's money. Inside, the floors are made out of ivory and alabaster. The rooms are encrusted with emeralds and diamonds. Its real estate listing goes historic castle, includes library, chapel, and great hall. The first thing you see is the garden. It had a weeping willow tree. It would weep real tears. It would weep water. The one thing they failed to put in the listing were the dimensions of the house. It is just under nine feet wide and nine feet tall. Because this is a dollhouse. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we are touring the grounds of Colleen Moore's Fairy Castle. We're going to learn about how she created the great dollhouse of her dreams. time I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide-open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. To find the fairy castle, you will need to grab a map at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Just keep walking right past the German submarine, keep going past the diesel-electric train, And once you hit the darkened room in the back with the twinkling lights, you'll know you're there. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. All you're seeing is that fairy castle showcased right in the middle of that room with the lights on it and I was blown away. This is Vula Saradakis. She first saw the fairy castle as a guest at the museum. Back then, she was a professor specializing in the history of science and technology. She taught classes with names like the history of civilization and women in science. 
And what she saw at the museum that day must have made an impact because she's currently a curator at the museum. And for us today, she will be our tour guide to this miniature multi-million dollar piece of real estate. The original name for the house was the Doll House, but it doesn't really give you a sense of the place. The house was built on this theme of fairy tales. And the idea is that when you're not looking, the fairies themselves inhabit this castle. So they gave it a new name, the Fairy Castle. If you're walking around and looking at the Fairy Castle with all its rooms, it's as if the fairies themselves have sort of stepped out for a couple of hours to go on a little walk. So it looks like everything is lived in. Everything inside of the castle is also an incredible historical artifact within an artifact. There are over 1,500 custom-made miniatures throughout the castle, everything that a fairy might need to live in luxury. In the Great Hall is right in the forefront as you're looking in the room there is a little dome and on the dome are three tiny little nails and on the very heads of these nails are the three chairs of the bears in Goldilocks. Little tiny, tiny chairs that are no bigger than a grain of rice. If you would look under a microscope, they are truly chairs. They're they're not just pretending to be chairs. And these are not some hobbyist models. The objects in the castle are all real. They all work. You can pull out a tiny book from the library and flip through it. There's an itty-bitty fairy-sized musket. Recently, the rice-sized light bulbs in the chandeliers were all upgraded. And the bathtubs in the prince and princess bathrooms were changed out so that they could fix the pipes. This is a fully functional, move-in-ready house. Vula's job is to catalog all of this incredible stuff. And part of that means figuring out how the objects were made, where they came from. She calls herself a kind of detective, puzzling together all of these small clues, everything from a faded inscription scribbled on the back of a page or a date stamped onto a particular piece. But working with all of these teeny, tiny items can get tricky. There are little place settings of fork, spoon, and knives. You have to use special tweezers to grab them and move them around. You have to wear face masks because, well, it's kind of a running joke. I don't know if this could actually happen, but there was the fear that you could accidentally inhale one of these small little objects because they're so tiny. I'm not sure if that ever, I don't think that ever happened. And some of the items in the castle get a little bit macabre, sort of bizarre. On the shelf of one of those bookcases is a tiny little Iron Maiden. And I'm not talking about the famous metal group. I'm talking about the torture device used in the Middle Ages. But there's a little working Iron Maiden in on the bookcase in the library, which I find very odd. <laughs> the design of all of these intricate details came from the imagination of one person, Colleen Moore. Colleen was a famous movie actress in the 1920s. She starred in dozens of black and white silent films and had an enormous impact on what we think of as the jazz age. She cut her long hair short and popularized that iconic bob. 
A lot of people have called her the original flapper girl. And Colleen had really two loves. She loved acting, and she loved dollhouses. She had been fascinated with dollhouses for her whole life. She had built them with her father all throughout her childhood, and they would both work to arrange all these tiny details just perfectly. It was her father who had suggested that she actually build this grand dollhouse. Around the time, her career was changing. Silent movies were transitioning to sound. She took a four-year hiatus and was involved in this public, messy relationship with a famous director. Eventually, they got divorced. Her public image began to fade, and it seemed like she began to grow tired of her role as Hollywood's face, the face of this youthful rebellion. So, after building a successful acting career, Colleen decided to build something else. And to help her do it, she tapped into her movie Connections. Because at this moment in time, Hollywood was full of expert miniature designers. Back then in the 1920s, if you wanted to show that there was an earthquake or something along those lines, you would use miniature sets. A set designer for the movie Ben-Hur laid out the floor plan, and it gave the space, quote-unquote, no sense of reality. A Viennese seamstress sewed the tiny tapestries around King Arthur's dining table, using the tiniest stitch ever made by human hands. And some of her famous friends gifted her pieces for her new home. Rudolph Valentino, the most famous Hollywood hunk at the time, gave her two tiny suits of armor. A portrait of Mickey and Minnie Mouse dressed as the King and Queen of Hearts from Walt Disney himself hangs on the back wall of the chapel. Nearly a hundred people worked to build this castle over its seven-year construction period. Now, for anyone who grew up in the last, I don't know, 40 years, you're probably part of the kind of Barbie dream house era. Maybe as a kid, you were lucky enough to get one of those dollhouses with the pink water slide and a little wading pool at the end of it. But before these plastic mass-produced dollhouses, before dollhouses were ubiquitous toys, they were kind of a flex. They were made for adults, not kids, and they were a way for well-to-do families to show off their wealth. Back in the 16th century, there was a fad called baby houses. These were elaborate cabinets, and when you opened them, they were divided into rooms that were replicas of the owner's actual house, right down to little fancy silverware in the kitchen drawers, putting the family's worth on literal display. In the 20th century, dollhouses became commercialized, and they became the children's toys we know today. But for Colleen, they let her imagination run wild. And they were also a reminder of her family. One of my favorite artifacts is the cradle that when you first walk into the exhibit, it's the little hanging cradle when the bow breaks from that nursery rhyme, and it's just swinging. It's in the tree. It has tiny little pearls that decorate the little basket itself. The pearls, she inherited those from her Irish grandmother. The pearls came from her grandmother's necklace, from her grandmother's earrings. It was always a reminder to her when she'd look in the garden, and it was, in fact, her favorite artifact in the garden of her grandmother. And I think that's just a beautiful story, and it is a beautiful little object in and of itself. Dollhouses had brought Colleen Moore, so much joy as a child. 
So when she started to build this dollhouse to end all dollhouses, she wanted to share that same childlike feeling. When it was completed in the mid-1930s, you know, the United States was in the grip of the Great Depression. And she thought, how can I bring some happiness to everybody? I've created this wonderful thing, sure, but I don't want to keep it for myself. Colleen toured her creation to children's hospitals all around the country, raising money and hoping to share this sense of enchantment. And she was always thinking about how to add to the fairy castle. She would carry around a little book with her about the size of a quarter. And anytime she ran into someone famous, she would ask that person to sign this little book. So it's called the Book of Signatures, but it happens to be signatures of three presidents, including Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt signed it. Albert Einstein, Orville Wright signed it. Pablo Picasso, Gershwin. There's nothing like it in the world. And with all those names in it. It just makes it so precious and so amazing historically to look through it and just think, wow, all these people signed this little book. That's, it's so crazy. It's just amazing. Can you imagine this, this interaction between Colleen Moore and Einstein where she gets him to sign this fairy-sized book? What what kind of pencil did she use to sign it? Is, is there was a tiny pencil to go with it? I'm sure there was. No matter how she did it, the signatures are all there under one cover. The book is actually so priceless. It's kept out of the fairy castle in storage, protected under lock and key. This castle is incredibly extravagant, but it is also this kind of beautiful act of creativity. Colleen captured a portrait of herself and a snapshot of this slice of time all within these nine feet by nine feet little walls. In 1948, Colleen agreed to donate her dollhouse to the Museum of Science and Industry. She agreed with one very specific condition, that she would be allowed to continue building her castle. We have pictures of her sitting in the garden. She actually fit right in the garden as she sits there and holds some of these little garden artifacts in her hands. So she would come here and she would move furniture around or she might bring in a new piece of furniture that would get recorded. You could catch Colleen there at the castle rearranging the furniture all the way up to her death in 1988. Colleen found her fame as a silent movie star And she's remembered for her films and her iconic look. But in a lot of ways, it is the dollhouse that has continued to capture people's imaginations and endure. She once said when she was thinking uh, about her film career that the public wanted me to go on being the young kid I had been. Now, who could do that? Many of her films didn't survive and are considered permanently lost. But what Colleen couldn't do in films. She couldn't stay young forever. She could do in the creation of her fairy castle. The incredible attention to detail is just so fascinating for people to imagine, I think, what it would be like to be a little fairy, three inches tall, living in this beautiful castle. That This castle came from her and her brain, her ideas with the help of the team that helped build it. And it, it is her legacy as much as her acting.
This episode was produced by Alexa Lim. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. Kings Island is now open weekends. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.